Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. Hi everybody, thank you for tuning into today's episode with Sarah. Sarah takes us through the birth of her first baby daughter and she was diagnosed with gestational diabetes and also talks about how she managed that throughout her pregnancy and also how it affected her midwifery care options as well. I really love speaking to Sarah and I resonated with her decision-making process and her reasons for choosing to have a home birth with her first baby. So I hope you enjoy hearing her story as much as I did. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Sarah. Do you want to share a little bit about yourself and yeah, your new family and yeah, maybe a bit about what you do for a job and where you live? Cool. So um, I'm a mum of one. She's nearly two. I'm a fitness professional, so um, strength coach and personal trainer. I live in Clyde, so near the Casey um, Hospital, which was initially what we were thinking to do as home birth through Casey, but that changed throughout my pregnancy. Did you guys plan to start a family together or was yeah, that something? Yeah, so hubby and I have been married about five years and one day we're kind of having a bit of a chat and he was nearing his 30th birthday and he said, oh, I said, oh, you know, what do you, what do you reckon about kids? Because previously I'd been terrified of the idea of that kind of responsibility. <laughs> um, and he goes, oh, I, I thought we'd have a kid or two maybe by, by the time I was 30 and here we were on his 30th birthday and I'm like, oh, okay, um, <laughs> let's get to it. So what was yeah, the process I, to conceiving like? Sorry, what was the process so, to conceiving? Yeah, so I um, had an implant on, so I had that taken out by the GP and then I went to a naturopath because I, you know, wanted to make sure that I was sort of at optimum health prior to trying to conceive. So I had a really great um, naturopath who checked all of my iron and vitamin D and made sure that I had a really good foundation healthy foundation to start from um I had a good foundation in terms of physical strength and health um through you know being a fitness professional and someone who you know was physically strong and ate pretty well so that that I wasn't worried about but yeah she sort of put me on the right path for that sort of stuff um and yeah the I think my implant was out for maybe three or four months and the minute we were not trying to be careful um Bam, pregnant. <laughs> so oh, wow. I anticipated, yeah, I anticipated it'd take a while because I'd started listening to, you know, podcasts, birth stories, all of that sort of stuff. And I was like, you know what, don't stress out. It's probably going to take a while. Just relax. It will happen. Um, and, yeah, surprise. <laughs> um, what was it like when you found out? So we'd just been away on holiday and I – was a few days late but it wasn't that that kind of made me wonder I got really really bloated and like I couldn't eat like I used to because you know I was someone who ate frequently and you know decent amount of protein in my meals and was used to eating a lot and suddenly I just couldn't <laughs> and I was like ah, oh, okay and we got back from holiday and it was yeah took a pit on the stick and there we go it was pretty faint because it was 
quite early. Um, but yeah, I went went off down to the doctor and got my blood test and come back and then told hubby because previously, right before we went away on holiday, I I was convinced that I was pregnant and gotten a negative test and had gotten all excited. So he's like, don't tell me until you know for sure. <laughs> so I had that little secret for a couple of days until I had my blood test back and then I was like, all right. So I, I come to him and I said, so um, I've got an interesting birthday present for you. And it was the dating scan that the GP had given me. I'd called up and booked it in for his birthday. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> it was really special. Yeah, I bet. He must have been so excited. Yeah. So how did you feel in early pregnancy? Did you have any symptoms at all? Um, so oh, probably around eight weeks. I'm a bit fuzzy because it's a while ago now, but I got like nauseous and the fatigue knocked me for a six like I could not believe it um like here I was in the gym trying to personal train clients it'll be 6 a.m and I was sitting down on the job <laughs> yeah and, I was like, gonna say to that would have been really so hard. really regularly because um you know if I didn't have anything in my tummy the nausea was worse so <laughs> I'm there at work like training my clients eating all the time <laughs> And they're, like, looking at me as if to say, what is wrong with you? So I ended up, like, as soon as we did our dating scan at, you know, six or seven weeks, saw a heartbeat, which was amazing. Um, I ended up telling most of my clients because, you know, they're people that I was seeing every single week, week in, week out. And I was like, you know what? I just felt like that was a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sometimes yeah. it's so much easier just to have mm. it out in the open. and mm, mm, mm. Yeah. And yeah, I'm very much point? of the mindset that you – um, open up those conversations to have. I'm not someone who's like, you know, we'll wait till 12 weeks just in case that's that's not me. <laughs> yeah. So at what point did you decide that you wanted to have a home birth? Had that, did you always imagine yourself having a home birth? Or? Well, it, it, it had kind of crossed my mind, but in my preconception and early pregnancy, listen, listening to a lot of the birth story podcasts and things, um, I realized that there was a pattern where a lot of women were going into birth, mm, let's say not super prepared or not really realizing what to expect. And then second time around choosing care providers differently um, as per the experience that, I'd, that that had, because a lot of the time, first time around, there was quite a bit of trauma. Um, not always you know, from the care providers, sometimes just from expectations. But I was like, you know what? I've got a choice to be proactive here and hopefully avoid a lot of the stress and heartbreak that, you know, sometimes can happen. Mm, definitely. Yeah, so um, I think I had my first um, appointment with the group practice midwives around 12 weeks. And then after that, I found out that Casey offered the home birth program with the midwives there um so I called up pretty much straight away and said look do you have a space for me and they did at the time and I was with them up until about 30 weeks so and then things the, changed <laughs> yeah so with that program were you allocated one midwife or was it a team of midwives it was a team of midwives there was a primary one but um the appointment where I was supposed to meet her, she was away on holiday, and so I met her once. But the time that I met her was um, after I'd had my gestational diabetes test and failed it by 0 0.2. Um, oh. <laughs> so 
the appointment with her was pretty much um, you failed your gestational diabetes test. Um, we can put you in a nice quiet corner down the back of the hospital. It's no big deal. I've got diabetes. And, um, yeah, so she, she herself had diabetes and she I felt very, like, minimised and th- that she didn't kind of really uh, empathise much at all. I was sitting there, like, you know, crying my eyes out and there was a box of tissues on her desk and I didn't even kind of get offered them and my husband was less than impressed. <laughs> mm, yeah. So it was it was See. not a very nice experience and I kind of left there and went, you know what, what are my other options? I don't want to go back there. <laughs> because yeah. even, she, even prior to... Um, when she mentioned that you had the diabetes, did she give mm-hmm. you any suggestions for um, sort of how you should be treating it or was it just such a small amount? just carry on as normal um no she told me that i'd been i would be referred out to um do like a uh afternoon course on how to manage it with diet and that sort of stuff and that my care would be shifted to um an obstetrician and that sort of stuff yeah yeah and did you go ahead with that um sort of info Yeah, yeah. So I did. It took them a couple of weeks to get that information to me and for me to find out where I had to go to do this informational course and whatever else. And that was a very unsettling kind of time. Luckily, I had a a doula who was able to sort of be my steadying person and give me a bit of information in the meantime about what it meant, like what the gestational diabetes diagnosis meant and that sort of stuff and also sort of helped me realize that I do have other options if I wanted to pursue them. Yeah and um, correct me if I'm wrong but with the gestational diabetes is the main concern to do with the babies um, getting a bit too big or? Uh, I believe so also um, babies sugar management post-birth so they worry that if baby has been used to lots and lots of sugar in utero, that once they're born, they're going to struggle because, you know, breastfeeding, it's not as often they're getting food as with an umbilical cord, essentially. Okay. So they, yeah. they worry about that as well. That's my understanding, at least. And were you in yourself feeling worried about it or not at all? Uh, not really. Um, so I went and did a bunch of research and... To be honest, what constitutes a diagnosis at one hospital, the numbers are completely different in another hospital. Like, there's no standardised kind of level that they diagnose you at. And in the recent years, the, the, the pass rate number has dropped significantly. So what used to not be a diagnosis is now well and truly a diagnosis. Um, And I found the same also when I joined, you know, support groups and that kind of thing and dug into the research a bit more. It was similar with um, insulin and the point that doctors would prescribe insulin. um, The numbers from hospital to hospital, even within Victoria, varied really quite widely. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, myself, I failed the test by such a small amount that, you know, I got my glucometer and I did my finger prick testing after every single meal and fasting every single morning and you know I ate sensibly and it was never a problem like the two or three times that I had high readings I'd gone and had a meal of McDonald's with fries and (laughs) a burger and I or a plate of pasta and I fully expected that that was what was going to happen 
So after you'd gotten the um, information about the diabetes from your mm. midwife at the hospital, how did what was the process like looking for a different midwife at that point? So I knew of someone who'd had a home birth through a private midwife. Um, so and my doula also sort of said, "Look, this is an option. Here's a few that service the local area." Um, and she encouraged me to give them a call and just have a ha have a chat to them to see if what they were offering was something that I wanted to do as opposed to having to go to the hospital. Um, so I called up my lovely midwife that I ended up hiring and had a big chat to her about, you know, was she willing to support someone with a gestational diabetes diagnosis? Um, did she have spaces at that time? Because at the point I was 30 weeks um, it was sort of late in the game. Um, mm. And just through chatting to her on the phone, maybe half an hour, I was like, you know what, I don't know how, if I'm going to be able to get hubby on board with this because, you know, private midwives are not super cheap. Um, but I was like, I, I want to work with her. I want her to be the person who looks after us. Um, yeah, so, yeah, once we went down together to actually meet her and have a – a, an appointment with her just to see if you know the vibe that I got on the phone was what was going to translate to in person um we decided we were going to jump jump in boots and all with her and I just called up the hospital and said look I know you've pre-booked appointments for me but I'm transferring out of your care and um you don't, don't need to hold those appointments anymore and that was kind of that I did continue with the um obstetrician with the gestational diabetes clinic so they saw me um uh, what was it so 30 weeks for the initial like give me the glucometer and tell me how it all sort of works and then I think I had maybe every couple of weeks a check-in with them but because my sugars were fine um after 37 weeks they dismissed me from the care how was your baby measuring um sort of um, throughout the last weeks com completely on point yeah, she she was measuring normal, um, so it wasn't really a concern. However, I did go to forty two weeks, so she wasn't oh, wow. tiny, but that yeah. was beside the point, and it didn't cause any problems, and she never had any problems with blood sugar either. So, with your new private midwife that you'd hired, did she was she part of a clinic, and did she work with another midwife as well, or was it just her? Yeah. So she, she had a private practice and um, a backup midwife that I did meet once prior to the birth. She came to a, an appointment at our house when they did the um, pre-birth sort of checklist appointment. Um, I, I might back up a little bit, though. That first yeah. initial appointment that we had with our midwife, my husband came along. We sat and chatted for probably two hours all about birth our beliefs, our desires, um, how we felt about certain things, any questions we had. She got me on the couch and felt how baby was sitting and got my husband in there with his hands on. And previously, when we'd been at the hospital for their very rushed sort of 15-minute max, no time to ask questions appointments, he'd been sort of sat in the corner and not even involved. So the contrast of that was kind of mind-blowing. Um, so that just like cemented for me that I really wanted to work with this midwife because the difference in care was huge and that mm. continued all the way through right 
into our postpartum visits. Yeah, like it's it was a relationship built rather than a box ticked, I feel. Mm, beautiful. And so you mentioned that you had a doula as well. Um, what yeah. sort of care does she give antenatally? So um, we did a bit of um, hypnobirthing stuff with her. Because, you know, first-time parents, not really knowing what to expect. Hubby initially was a little bit unsure about home birth. Um, so she came maybe probably four times to our house and we had, like, just coffee and chat about what to expect. She provided resources in terms of books and videos and all of that sort of stuff in terms of physiological birth. Um answered questions about, you know, what the first few days postpartum look like, um, that sort of stuff, um, encouraged us to do a um, independent birth class, so not not the hospital one. We did do the hospital one anyway as well, but um, we attended the um, Rhea Dempsey's course. Um, I think it's called Embracing Intensity, and it's all about physiological birth and how to set yourself up for success, essentially, which was amazing. It was really good. And my husband raves about it to any new parents that we come across. Yeah, I've read her book when I was pregnant, and, mm. yeah, it's absolutely so amazing. Mm, I wish I'd gone to her classes. Yeah. We we got the book. I haven't actually read it yet. I think it's on loan to another mum, but <laughs> I'll get there. Mm. Yeah. Um, so how were you feeling towards the end of your pregnancy and in the sort of maybe after you reached 40 weeks? Um, so I, I'd always had in my head also, like just from listening to birth stories and reading birth stories, that, you know, I'll probably go to 42 weeks. It's, you know, normal term gestation. It's not something to stress about. Baby will come when they come. So I never set up my birth space until 37 weeks because I knew that that was when the midwife could um, attend my birth at home. Um, so before that, she had a policy that we needed to go to the hospital. Um, and this is something else I probably need to mention is I kept my backup booking at the hospital. That's something she required me to do. And because of the gestational diabetes, I went in at about 37 weeks to just get the tick off from the hospital obstetrician. So I walk in there and he's running super late. Anyway, gets me in there and he goes, oh, so so you're planning a home birth and you've got gestational diabetes. You know that they don't have all the resources that you might need at home. And he's just, he was very condescending and... I don't know, just wasn't a good feel. Um, so he's sitting there telling me all about how my baby's going to be too big to be born at home and it was going to cause problems and rah, rah, rah on like this. And <laughs> I could feel my blood pressure just about rising as, as it was happening. So he gets me up on the bed and he measures my tummy and he goes, oh, actually, you're measuring a little bit small. And he completely backpedaled on absolutely everything mm -hmm. he'd said. And I was like, well, there goes your credibility, mate. <laughs> um, and then he also was very, very insistent on sending me for growth scans and placenta blood flow scans and all the rest, and it had to happen right now. And I was like, you know what? I don't feel like that's going to be beneficial for me right now. I was quite happy to just let things be um, 
because I was feeling good and baby was moving well and I was measuring fine and I was like, you know what, let's just leave it. If if I if it's really necessary, if you think it's really necessary, I can come back, you know, and we'll schedule it in for another time. And he turns around and he goes, well, if you're not going to do it today, there's no point. And I went, well, okay, fine, cool, goodbye. <laughs> and away I went. But, oh, it was so stressful. It was awful. And I can't imagine trying to give birth in an environment like that it just oh makes me mad now even just thinking about it and that was over two years ago (laughs) yeah it wasn't fun and I was there by myself too which probably didn't help but aside from aside from that pregnancy was great like you know my my strength training background physically I felt pretty good aside from a little bit of sciatica like 40 weeks I was out there weeding the garden going, oh, you know, baby can come if they want. I was still moving really well. I was feeling good. Bit of heartburn. That wasn't fun. I I felt good pretty much all the way through once that initial sort of nausea subsided. I mean, I was taking naps pretty often. That was great. <laughs> oh, the exhaustion is so full on. Yeah. Eh? yeah. Did you start to feel impatient sort of as – as time was ticking on and you were getting closer to 42 weeks? Um, not really, and it sounds weird, but everybody else was much more impatient than I was. I was getting a bit impatient with my husband because from 37 weeks every morning he'd wake up and go, is today the day? <laughs> <laughs> That's a long <laughs> time of very, of very excited. So, you know, by the time we got to 41 weeks, I was a little bit sick of that and I was a little bit sick of my family hounding me that I got to the point where I sent out a mass te- text message that said, don't bother asking, we won't forget to tell you. <laughs> and did your... Um, did your private midwives have any sort of guidelines for going overdue or were they happy to just let you go? Yeah. Yeah. So after, um, oh, I can't remember the exact um, date, but I think it, it was like once I reached 40 and six, um, my midwife had her own CTG um, machine. So she come out every second day and pop that on me. And had a bit of a listen with the Doppler and that sort of thing. And everything was looking good. And I was feeling good. And she said, look, um, it's entirely up to you. But if you're feeling good and, you know, baby's looking good on on my end of things, then I'm happy to wait if you're happy to wait. Um, We did reach a point because I didn't go into labour till 42 and 1 where the hospital called me and said, look, um, we think you should come in for additional monitoring. Um, and it was something that I wasn't really interested in doing because of that previous situation with the obstetrician who had been quite pushy with me. So I said to them, I understand that you need to offer this. Um, but at this point in time, I don't want to do that. We'll be in contact later on down the track if something changes but for now I'm happy continuing my care with my private midwife and she's happy to look after me still so I kind of left it at that because I I know that they're only doing their job I mean they did pull out the you know your statistics of stillbirth is heightened blah 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 on the phone and I'm like yeah but I'm aware that those statistics are used as scare tactics very often and I know the numbers so thank you but no thanks (laughs) Yeah, they're still, even though it does rise, it's still so low it's still, and by such a yeah. minimum amount anyway. It, it really is, but a lot of women don't realise that. 
Mm. Yeah. So how did labour begin for you or what were some early signs that baby was coming? So um, the day or two before my midwife had put the CTG on and said, oh, yeah, I can see some low-level contractions happening there. I couldn't feel a thing. I didn't realise at all. Um, So it was, I think, 42 weeks on the dot I started losing my mucus plug. Um, And then... So, yeah, that was like that afternoon and then the next morning I woke up with contractions. So they were, uh, you know, a minute long, 20 minutes apart, and that continued all day. So I got up and I went about my normal morning. Hubby was working from home like he had been for the past, like, week and a half because he was anxious for this baby to arrive. Mm -hmm. Um. I went and caught up with my friends and we did a walk around the park. They'd had their daughter who was due a day. No, her due date was like two days after mine. And that had her, that ended up being a month before. Um, so I met their baby and we had a walk around the park and a lovely sort of morning, come home, cooked a big lunch, um, comfort food that my mum always cooked when we were at home as kids. Um, I think I had a nap that afternoon. At least I had a lie down anyway. And these con- the contractions just continued and it was like period pain. Like it was something that you could ignore if you wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I, na- I think I napped. I don't know. I lay down at least anyway. Um, and then afternoon was sort of like Netflix. Hubby was working. And it got to about mm, sunset time. And I said, look, we need to go for a walk. Let's see if we can actually get something going here. Um, so we went for a walk around our neighbourhood. And by the time we got home, contractions had gone from 20 minutes apart to 10 minutes apart. And they were getting a bit stronger. And I was like, oh, goody, it might just happen tonight. Um, so I think I reheated some dinner. We had dinner. And by the time I was putting the dishes away, um, things had ramped up a little bit more. So I'm standing at the kitchen bench starting to do like high knees to try and ease the discomfort because it was all sort of through the front, like lower tummy tightness. Um, so I'm standing there doing high knees and I feel this trickle down my leg and I'm like, oh, okay, I think my water's just broke. <laughs> so that was like 7 p.m. and it just like sort of took off from there. Things intensified pretty quickly. Um, and at what point did you call your midwife or your doula? So I'd been texting both of them throughout the day saying, you know, I'm losing mucus. It's got a bit of blood in it. You know, this is it. it I think we're actually finally going to have something happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I said to hubby then, look, it's up to you to, to give them a call when you think we need them there. Um, so I went to our little back room, which we had set up with the bed and the inflatable pool, and he popped the I, – I had a quick shower, and then he popped the TENS machine on for me, and that was amazing. That was awesome until about, I don't know, it would have been maybe 8, 8.30, and then, like, I was starting to have to make a fair amount of noise with my breathing to, to deal with it. I'd got onto the bed at one point and lay on my side, but – things slowed down so hubby was like nah get back get back up into your position of kneeling and whatever else um Um, i'll just would you mind explaining for if there's any listeners that um haven't heard of a tens machine maybe your understanding of of what it is and what it does oh yeah sure 
so it's the, these like little sticky pads that you stick onto your body and they're like the electrodes. I guess you like you can see on the things where they shock people's heart back into rhythm, except they're not nearly that strong. So they give like a little pulse or buzz and it's sort of a tingling sensation. Um, and the idea behind it is the tingle, which you can ramp up with the TENS machines that are plain, like made for labor. Um, the tingle or the strong electrical impulse the idea is it blocks the pain impulses from your labor up to your brain so it's like competing for those br brain waves that are saying it hurts um yeah. i can still feel all of my contractions but it was something that took the focus off them and it was it yeah. was really helpful up until the point where i'm pretty sure i was in transition and my body started like getting that urge to push and the noises that I was making changed completely and my husband was like oh crap I think we need the midwife here oh wow so she, wasn't, still she wasn't there at that point because because you know we all of us were like you know first time mom it's probably going to take a while we don't want her here like for ages having to hang about so hubby knowing that you know we were in our nice dark room all cozy knowing that he didn't want to disturb me took a video of the noises that I was making and sent it to my midwife. And she was like, I'm coming. <laughs> so she got in her car straight away and she arrived around oh, nine-ish, I think, 9.30 maybe. The doula got here a little bit before her because she lived closer. And once once my midwife was on the way and she, she messaged Tubby to say, look, she can get in the pool now because I was aware that I didn't want to get into the water too early and slow things down. So hubby had already filled up the pool, even though the midwife told him not to because she thought it was going to be a longer labour. So, yeah, I took the TENS machine off, got into the pool. It was such a relief, the warm water. Mm. Um, it felt amazing. And it, um, must have been, it must have been quite intense. So you pretty much had gone sort of into active labour around seven and then already having that urge to push just a few hours later. Yeah, yeah, it was it was full on. And here I am in my head going, oh, my goodness, I hope this is not like a two- or three-day ordeal. I don't know if I can handle <laughs> this intensity for that long. That was my headspace, and that must have been transition speaking, I think, because I was like, mm. wow, I get why mums want drugs. I understand why women really struggle with this this is really intense but yeah once my body started to do this sort of pushy thing I mean it was still a wee while before she came out but I was like oh okay it's all good so how were your um, husband and your doula sort of and midwife supporting you to manage the pain when they um, arrived so once my doula arrived she kind of got husband to work getting you know a, a water bottle full of ice and cold drink and a towel for on my brow and that sort of thing um and then because at that like when she she arrived she sort of come down right in front of my face because I'm there like kneeling in the pool leaning over the edge um and she sort of talked me back into my breathing a little bit because I was starting to get a bit like <laughs> hyperventilating like it was starting to get a little bit much um so she just talked me took me down a little bit so as soon as the contractions started to ease off, she'd say, all right, completely relax your body, let it all go. So you've got a moment to catch yourself before the next one comes along. Because they were coming along pretty quick. That was amazing. It just, like, it hugely helped. And then hubby just sat there holding my hand. 
he tried to touch my back at one stage and I told him to get away from me. (laughs) I didn't want to be touched anywhere else, but I was happy for him to be holding my hand. I love that you explained transition as it's starting to get a little bit intense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned that you started to have the urge to push before you got into the pool. Um, How, once you'd gotten into the pool, did things slow down a little bit or was it just Um, continuing to... I don't know. I feel like it was still pretty intense. So I wasn't adding anything to the push. My body was just like bearing down and I was making that real guttural noise. Um, And I was aware that I didn't want to add a whole heap to that push, Um, especially not until the midwife was there. (laughs) Mm. She arrived arrived soon after the doula um, and the secondary midwife at the same time as well. And I wasn't even really aware that, like I knew that they'd turned up, but I wasn't really aware that they were in the room. Um, like they just sort of hung back. She set up her bits and pieces. She put the Doppler on um, and was like, yep, sweet, cool. And then we just sort of continued along and I could feel Bub moving moving down and there was a, a lot of excitement as soon as she started crowning and she said to Hubby, all right, do you want to get in the pool? So he got in the pool and, yeah, it was it was super exciting. Hard work but exciting. <laughs> Yeah, and was it, like, once you'd started to feel her crowning, was it very quick after that? Um, no. <laughs> so it took it took a good while. And even, like, once – see, I'd watched all these birth videos, and I'm like, sweet, once the head's out, you know, the rest of the body's going to slip on out. It did not happen that way. Not for me. <laughs> so my daughter was nine and a half pounds. So she was four, 4.3 kilo, and she wow. was very yeah. tubby. So she took – she took a bit of time even just getting her head out took a bit of time and then once her head was out the rest of her body took maybe four pushes like it was a while and I felt like someone was pulling her but I think that was just her rotating and floating in the water um because we we Mojave put the GoPro in the pool so we've got amazing footage of her emerging and all of the amniotic fluid like coming floating out of her nose and stuff It's, it's really cool oh wow that's amazing so, yeah, she was born at just after 11 p.m. So from 7, my water's breaking, to 11, it was it was all on. Wow, that's, yeah, that's really fast. And I have yeah, heard that the faster for, it is, the more intense yeah. it is as well. So yeah. it's like you're cramming I, all, I, of the, <laughs> all of the power into the short yeah, period of time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I never had any, like, um, internal examinations or anything like that because by the time the midwife got there I was in the pool and she's as a midwife anyway isn't really a fan of a lot of you know well what I would consider unnecessary like she said you know there's plenty of other signs that will tell me where you're at Mm. so she was happy to not not do that yeah so hubby caught our daughter and brought her up onto my chest and we sat in the pool for a little bit um she how, did, how were you feeling when you f- first held her I was just like wow 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 you're here wow yeah. <laughs> amazed that we'd done it and there was this whole new person right there <laughs> did you yeah, know pretty... that she was a girl um, yeah we did yeah yeah, that was one thing my hubby was like. I, I didn't really want to know initially, but he's like, you know, there's so many other unknowns I want to know. So we found out. I think next time I want the surprise, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, so she started. How long did you stay in the pool for? Um, wouldn't have been long, maybe five minutes. Um, 
my midwife asked me to get out because she said that if you do bleed, um, it's harder to monitor in a pool mm-hmm. with all the water to dilute any blood. So I hopped out and onto the bed, which was like one step, but I had to have, you know, I had baby on my chest and I had a midwife under each arm to help me lift because I was like done. I My legs were shaky. I was, yeah, not very steady just from the exertion of it all, I think. One step over across onto the bed and we just all sat there and looked at her and kind of went, wow. And let's see, I think she had, I put her to the breast and she had her first feed and then the placenta came out and then after that we cut her cord after it had been out for a while. Was the placenta delivery fast and was that a natural? I think it took about 20 minutes after she came out. Um, and I think there might have been like a tiny bit of cord traction because it was just sitting there. Um, but I didn't need any um, like medical help because, yeah. you know, we're in that in the zone with, you know, all of the hormones flowing and whatever else. And there was no stress of extra blood loss or anything like that um we just sort of waited for it to happen yeah and did you have any tearing or or any damage from when she came down if she was quite big no no like not at all which is interesting because I think my semi-upright position as well as let's see yeah the upright position as well as just like mostly trying to breathe rather than push like near the end I did add a little bit of extra behind the the sort of push that my body was already doing um but yeah I was conscious of that because that was something that I was a bit like afraid of initially yeah but I think the fact that she also took a while to come out meant that I was able to stretch yeah and when you were saying um you know that from when she started crowning it did take a while I guess you know they need that time to sort of stretch Mm -hmm. and for Mm. your body to adjust yeah I think if she'd should flow in out really quickly I probably would have had damage so but, yeah no there was no no drama blows a lot of people's minds because she was <laughs> you know not small <laughs> oh I bet yeah um so it was a, sort of around 11 at night did your midwives yeah. and jeweler and everybody head home shortly after that so um my midwife stayed about four hours um that's sort of her policy and she wanted to keep extra eyes on bub because of blood sugar potential issues um but because she fed pretty much straight away and she was alert and you know looking pretty bright-eyed um and we fed really frequently that night she was happy to to go after the four hours um so they pretty much tucked us up into bed and fed us fresh fruit and cup of tea and yeah Doula went, midwife went, midwife came back the next, pretty much, yeah, the next day and then two days later and then, I don't know, three or four days later just to make sure that feeding was going well and, um, you know, weigh her and ask all, answer all of our questions essentially, yeah. And mm. we had visits up to, up to six weeks postpartum. So that was amazing to have that support as well. And um, what were the first sort of um, couple of weeks like post birth? Were your was your partner? or sorry, your husband off from work or? Yeah, um, so he had about three, two three weeks off. Like he was working from home some of it, but um, yeah, that was really great because essentially I just 
was in the bed feeding. <laughs> sleep, mm. feed, sleep, feed. Stuff my face uh, with cake. <laughs> yeah, as someone who yeah. was super, super active um, before that, was it sort of hard to be stuck in bed or did you just enjoy the rest? No, I enjoyed the rest. I did feel, even though I didn't tear, I did feel like really heavy through my my pelvis and that whole area and even standing for not very long I felt like everything wanted to fall out so I was very happy to be on the bed not doing much and just focusing on recovering and baby and feeding yeah beautiful how was your breastfeeding journey with her um so we had a bit of a rough start um initially she was really really painful to feed so, and I noticed that she didn't want to feed off one side as easily if she, as she wanted to feed off the other. And my midwife sort of had a look at her and we looked at her weight gains and she was gaining weight like crazy. Um, so that wasn't an issue, but she, and her latch looked fine, but she was causing me pain and damage. So we ended up, my beautiful chiropractor who's trained with children and pregnancy, um, came out to the house and did some gentle massage on my daughter's neck and her like inside of her mouth and straight after that I fed her and it was completely different to feed her so she could open her mouth properly wide where before she'd been sort of gnawing with her gums because she was all must have been all tight from birth I guess and Mm. her neck must have been neck and jaw must have been quite tight and yeah after that we were we were good and now she's nearly two still demand fed yeah never had any problems with milk supply to the point where Mm. i was donating for a while when she was smaller because i had so much oh beautiful it's such it's such a gift to be able to give isn't it yeah yeah and i mean also like the encouragement from my midwife as well was really helpful with that because you know considering the gd diagnosis she had me at 30 37 weeks um hand expressing and taught me how to do that so i had you know colostrum there in case we needed it um Mm. we'd never ended up needing it so i ended up donating that as well i mean i kept a few tubes for when she got colds and that kind of thing but yeah that was also something that was really handy to know how to do and have the skill which i feel like potentially if we'd had a different care um, we may not have had the time to do that sort of stuff and learn that that stuff Hmm. yeah thank you so much for sharing how's how are you feeling about another birth is your anticipation or your feelings around around birth changed or would you do anything differently (laughs) super excited um i would go straight back to a private midwife i don't think i would try and go near a hospital unless I had major risk factors um so that's something I would do differently knowing what I know now although I think knowing what I do know now about hospitals and the different interventions and all of that sort of stuff there is I guess there is a a different level of anxiety from knowing as opposed to not knowing the first time around do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you know the sort of potential things that yeah. can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, like, I feel like I'm well armed with plenty of information and the knowledge that I can make my own choices too, which is powerful. 
Oh, absolutely, and it's such a shame how few people um, have that feeling when it comes to birth. Mm, I agree. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Sarah.